pandemonium reigns. Locking in on week eight action and going to start it off with one that I've got so many thoughts about Clemson traveling to Miami to the truly friendly confines of Hard Rock Stadium, um, Miami. We've talked about it on here. You've heard, you've heard everyone that you listen to probably talk about Miami's home environment that, that, that which they do not really have that is not that threatening. Um, because we know how tough home field advantage is. We know how road teams are performing uh, in 2023, especially not that it's that different uh, from any given year. Um, but we have a bit of an every, you know, any given Saturday vibe in this game with Miami uh, taking down Clemson 28 to 20 in two overtimes. Uh, you had a game that was deadlocked at half um, before Clemson scored 10 in the third to take a 17 to 7 lead. And Miami returned that favor right back in the fourth uh, before, again, closing Clemson out in double overtime. Um, Dan and I, as you know, if you listen to our Tennessee-Alabama recap, we were in Bryant-Denny Stadium, so we didn't take in a lot of action, but still got a lot of reaction for you. Uh, a lot of thoughts aimed at Davos, Dabo Sweeney after this tire fire of a game and a result. Uh, this is the same Miami that what, two weeks ago, two weeks prior, gift wraps a game to Georgia Tech, who is going to be struggling for the foreseeable future, that as they have been, to to get things right, to get things normalized after being in a, a, being a triple option program for so long. And Clemson can't win this game on the road. This puts Clemson at four and three on the year. Uh, and just looking at some of the other numbers from this game, much of it very even, though it was done in different ways. First downs, Clemson has one more. Total yards, Miami has 17 more, despite Clemson passing for well over 100, almost 150 more yards passing than Miami had. So Miami dominates this game on the ground where they almost had 200 more rushing yards than Clemson. And that just begs the question of, for me, is where in the heck has the Clemson that we came to know uh, after they kind of eradicated Clemsoning, if you will. They're back to those ways in different different methods. And again, they lose such a winnable game at Miami. Um, bad, bad play at times from Cade Klubnick. He's only 18 of 34 through the air. He did, again, he banged out 314 yards through the air on those attempts despite that you know just above 50% completion percentage. Um, but Miami as a, I'm sorry, Clemson as a team rushes for 0.9 per carry, largely in part due to a, a bevy of sacks. Um, Clemson was sacked five times by Miami. Uh, that, that totals Klubnik for, for negative 27 yards on the game. And that is, that's a sorry result for Clemson. I mean, just a totally sorry result way to do it is is just that's the horrible way to lose 
their tight end was their their leading receiver by far, 70 yards more than the next guy. I don't know where their receiver play has gone. I don't know where their run game has gone. I just can't – it's hard to fathom these things. It's It's so weird how relatively minor things have just handicapped the mess out of this Clemson program. I mean, you've still got a back in Will Shipley who is – He's big. He's got plenty of speed in his in his frame. You've got Phil Moffa behind him, who is more than serviceable. So many programs across the country would take him. Uh, and you've got Cade Klubnick. You 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 land a, a Cade Klubnick that was a a great prospect coming out of high school. He was just like so many Clemson quarterbacks that they've won ball games with. You know, I'm starting to wonder at this point. He's only a sophomore. He's got plenty plenty of football left in his collegiate career. But, you know, I wonder if they might have thrown him out a little bit too early. I know they didn't really have a choice with the way that DJ Uyunglele was playing at the time. But I just wonder if he's kind of if he's kind of scarred, if if the first year under Garrett Riley is not going well for him. It's obviously not. But I wonder if that's the underlying cause of, of some of the play that we've seen from, from Cade. Uh, they obviously have some receiver issues. I know they have injuries there. I remember that from from – seeing them play so far this season. And, and again, their leading receiver from that position was, was Tyler Brown, a freshman, with five catches for 53 yards. They're just not very explosive uh, through the air on the whole. They can obviously go up and down the field. They can, they can throw for 300 yards. But, again, their, their long pass on the day is a 50-yarder to their tight end. Um, that's just that's, – it's not really the Clemson that we've seen. And and this is the new Clemson, I guess, is is what it boils down to. Uh, Van, I'm sorry, Miami beats beats Clemson with clearly their backup quarterback, Emory Williams. Tyler Van Dyke did not play in this game. Um, and again, they have they have several dudes. They just have a committee on the ground. Uh, they banged out 5.6 per carry on the ground, and obviously that's a huge part of what helped them win this game. Again, Dan and I didn't get to watch this. So much of the reason I mentioned this game is because it's just another terrible result for Clemson. It It's more bad ball from them. And the meltdown is obvious because in the postgame, you have the following remark from Dabo Sweeney um, asked by a reporter, if Clemson has sports psychologists for their team, not sure exactly what prompted this question because, again, we were traveling, we were on the road on the way back from Bryant-Denny Stadium, Dabo's response. We've got one, a sports psychologist, that is. He's probably on suicide watch right now. <sighs> Dude, how 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 is this guy so clueless? How is he so tasteless? That is, that's a ridiculous response. Uh, among so many other things, we've seen such a, an awareness, such a, a care for mental health, and... You go as so far as to say that he was joking earlier in the week before this game that they have too many bandwagon fans. Okay, you have too many fans. That's what you're saying, and that he said that they should, you know, maybe lose some more games to try to weed some of them out. You're doing it. You're doing it. The next thing to go will probably be recruiting, which has still been pretty strong, even though you're taking absolute. You're you're addressing none of your needs through the transfer portal, like a like a dummy, uh, you know, the next thing to go 
right there after fans because your, your home environment's going to take a hit when you make comments like this, when you are so lackadaisical about winning, and you're a two-time champion, just throwing that out there, yet the next thing to go will be the players. So, you know, you may not like transfers in. You're probably going to see a slew of transfers out. It's probably what's going to happen, and you're probably not going to be able to reach some of the high school prospects that you've reached to take you to those hots that you've been at, that you should enjoy, that have you paid amongst the, the highest coaches in the sport. And again, have you losing to a program that gift-wrapped a win that stole a loss from the, the jaws of victory like two weeks prior against Georgia Tech and the program that they are right now? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. this thing doesn't look like it's built for long-term success or even, I don't, I'll, I'll say long-term to be sustained long-term. Like, it just looks like it's winding down and could come crashing down because there's not really any subtle changes for college football program for coaches that find themselves on the way out. It's usually pretty abrupt. And, you know, that's the way that it's trending. I think it's probably pretty correctable, but not if you're going to be a guy who won't take transfers, not if you're going to a guy who makes ignorant, ignorant remarks like that, talking about mental health in the year 2023. No one should talk about mental health that way. No one should joke or, you know, or you're angry and you, you make a comment about someone being on suicide watch. That's, that's not going to work. <clears throat> not going to work. You're, you're, you're just trying to number your days. You're just trying to get yourself out of the game. It looks like to me is what, is what that sounds like. And it's pretty sorry. Uh, this was a program that I had immense respect for the way that they, I mean, he was a position coached turned head coach and he built a championship program within 10, 12 years of doing that two time, two championships. Uh, they were obviously fun to watch. They were doing things that Tennessee fans loved in beating Alabama, uh, beat Georgia here and there, uh, picking up some nice wins, doing it with NFL players, putting guys in the league. You you should be growing your fan base. You should be building off of that and and not tanking it. But that's that's the route that it looks like it's going. So shout out to Miami. It looks like we were a little bit wrong about them. They obviously didn't perform probably as bad as the majority expected against North Carolina the week after giving the game to Georgia Tech, but really, really nice way to bounce back and win this game in overtime because Clemson's gone from someone that was a perennial title contender into someone you should be at home. So well done to the Miami program. A little bit of shame on y'all, Clemson, especially you Dabo for the, the remarks there. Uh, you know, get it right or or – you're going to be passed by and, and it's really happening fast. I, it may be too late to even talk about it in that respect. You know, next game that I want to talk about continue to take shots towards is, uh, and also give some major, major props uh, for this result is Virginia, the Cavaliers taking down the Tar Heels of North Carolina at North Carolina. We've talked and talked and talked about road teams and the struggles that they're, that they've been on. Not the case, not the case at North Carolina on Saturday night. You've got a huge, huge win for the Virginia program. Tony Elliott, all these players, major, major props. 31 to 27 win over North Carolina. Look, when Dan, and I know I've said it as well, when we talked about Mac Brown losing a game that he definitely shouldn't lose. Ding, ding, ding. I mean, what more can you ask? This is Virginia's second win of the year and North Carolina was on in the middle of a cakewalk towards the playoff. I mean, now 
don't even let's not even look at the path to the playoff for North Carolina yet because it's it's going to be an uphill battle after such a terrible loss uh, when Virginia's only win came in the game prior to this one uh, before their bye week against William and Mary only by two touchdowns over William and Mary by the way uh, but again major major shout out to Tony Elliott I don't know but again just going to keep saying it due to the travel schedule due to us coming back from Tuscaloosa on Saturday, if this was more Virginia winning the game, North Carolina losing it or giving it away, I know that uh, there were some turnovers from both teams, uh, and and you know this one come came down to the wire with Virginia, I'm sorry, North Carolina driving with a chance to 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 win this game and, and not doing it. Um, but major shout out to Tony Elliott and these players, especially especially Mike Collins. I mean, talk about a guy who has been through it all. Things that. None of us should ever go through, certainly college football players um, in general, uh, with, with the tragic events that, that took place for the, for the Virginia program just last year at the very end of, end of it. This man, 66 yards, three of his team's four touchdowns on the day. Uh, major, major props, Mike Collins. Super, super happy for you. You can see the emotions this guy's going through every Saturday that I've seen him play. And I'm just thrilled, thrilled for, for his team, for him himself, for the result that they got. I'm happy for Tony Musket. Uh, we saw Tennessee knock him out in week one. We, we know he's a tough guy. Uh, bounces back in this game, 20 for 30, 208 yards, touchdown and a pick. Uh, they have their receiver Malik Washington go off for 12 catches, 115 yards, and, and the other touchdown that, uh, that Mike Collins didn't have on the day. Uh, and you know, on the North Carolina side, it's, it's, it's not looking like as a guy that wasn't able to watch this game, that's just reacting to it. It's not looking like this is the result that should have happened. You got Drake may only 50% on the day, 24 for 48, 347 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. I mean, you'll be hard pressed to find quarterbacks that don't throw a pick here and there. Um, you, you have your, your, your stud back that we have raved about on this podcast, Marion Hampton. Uh, 19 carries, 112 yards, very solid work from him, six six yards per carry. You've got Devontae Walker, who I'm happy for, going off for 11 and 146 and a touchdown. What happened? I mean, if this isn't Tennessee falling out of the playoff race to South Carolina on steroids, I don't know what it is. I mean, you, you, the path for North Carolina was so simple. I mean, seriously. Their toughest game to this point, hosting Miami the week after Miami gives the game away to Georgia Tech, which I've talked about multiple times, uh, beating South Carolina in week one. South Carolina is certainly not all that. Um, Appalachian State gave them the scare that they give everyone. You know, we've, we've talked about, we, no one needs to say, don't schedule them anymore. So I just don't even know where to look at when your quarterback only throws one interception. That's your only turnover on the day. You win the turnover battle, you you win the total yards battle. You you do everything but maybe give Omarion Hampton five or ten more carries. I mean that's the only thing on paper right now that I can really criticize. You know only four of thirteen on third down. That's obviously not ideal, um, especially when Virginia goes eight of eighteen and then two of three on fourth down. That's certainly not ideal. This looks like some of the things that that we've talked about defensively, uh, and again Mac Brown giving one away that just should never happen. Um, I just, I, I, 
this is a speechless result right here, other than, you know, just the minor recap that I'm giving for this game. I just don't even, I can't comprehend without watching it how this result takes place. Um, Four-point loss at home to Virginia to give them their second win of the year when you've just got a nice, easy, somewhat, you know, the easiest path that you'll ever find, even out of the ACC to the playoff. I mean, at least to the ACC championship game. They can still reach some of these things. They'll obviously need some help uh, because they were ranked only number 10 coming into this game. They're obviously going to take, they've obviously taken a hit coming out of a, a result like this. And, and really this segues me into how I want to wrap up this episode. It's a shorter one today with the, you know, with flying solo and everything and, and, and Dan and I being occupied to say the least um, during the, the time where we'd normally be watching college football action. And and it really begs the question that I'll tell you right after I tell you about our awesome sponsor, uh, North Forsyth Fitness, uh, Training and Fitness, NFTF, uh, located at 4015 Browns Bridge Road. Um, and if you're in the coming area and ready to change your life physically or looking for a new gym, NFTF is the place for you. Uh, owner and head coach, Jesse Foster. He's got all the credentials. Uh, he's got all the experience to help you reach your goals. Uh, he's got morning classes that run 5.30, 7.30, and 9. Afternoons running 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, and 6.30. There's surely a class within those times to fit your schedule. And this is a community-driven gym. So you're not only achieving your goals, you're doing it together with a group of friends and your community. So if you've got any questions for NFTF, contact Jesse Foster today and, and go check out what NFTF is all about. Again, North Forsyth Training and Fitness. Uh, give him a call, Jesse Foster at 706-633-6609 and make sure to tell him that the boys at Pandemonium Reigns podcast sent you. Uh, but again, this Virginia-North Carolina result really takes me into what in the world is the 2023 season. We talked about at length in 2022 how it felt like 2007 all over again with resurgent programs, with programs that with truly any given Saturday where a team could lose a game like this Virginia game. The the other example comes in a win, a very, very lackluster win from Washington over Arizona State, 15 to 7. You you manage you do manage twelve points in the fourth quarter. You only give up the one touchdown to Arizona State in the second quarter. Your only touchdown of the game, and this is the team that has probably the premier Heisman candidate at this point in Michael Penix. You manage one defensive touchdown and and three field goals. You know, obviously they were able to drive the field a couple of times. You have a twenty-four. I'm sorry, you have two twenty-four yard field goals in this game, and obviously. It's nice to see when a team has an offense like Washington's offense that is beyond explosive. It's nice to see that they can crank out a defensive performance like this. This result, just based on the score alone, kind of takes me back to 2010. Uh, it's Oregon's first national championship game appearance. Their run, they have a very, very weird game with Cal. Um couldn't tell you the final score. I do believe they won the game. Um, I'm going to check that while I'm just telling you about it because, I mean, a 15-7 to result when, when Arizona State's got one win on the year just doesn't add up. 
takes me, it really takes me to this question of who in the world is actually good in 2023. Um, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I'm looking at the top 10 here. Let me get back over to it. Uh, my top 10 in this is the coaches poll. This would be the worst possible year for a 12 team playoff. I mean, there couldn't be a worse possible time. Your, your, your last hope if of anyone in the party of expand, expand, expand the playoff, yada, yada, your last hope, if, if we had a 12 team playoff right now, obviously games are going to be played. Things are going to shake out to an extent. You've got Michigan right up near the top facing a lot of scrutiny with some really, really dumb looking allegations that they're facing right now. Um, but I mean, tell me who below Oregon at number nine, sitting at six and one, only lost to Washington, who I'm sitting here telling you about right now. And again, maybe Washington, maybe they just, you know, they took down the first true Goliath on their schedule or Goliath looking team on their schedule. And they had a they had a rough day. Who knows? I mean, again, on the road. I couldn't I couldn't tell you I'd love to be able to uh if if time allowed. I, w I wish I could. But tell me who below Oregon at six and one has a real shot at at even deserving a playoff spot. Is it Penn State at six and one who couldn't do very much of anything at all against Ohio State? And and look, credit to Ohio State's defense. I mean, you you hold Penn State to 12 points, you win 20 to 12 at home. Drew Aller, my goodness, I've heard so much buzz I got about this guy, and I've seen some of the reason for it. He goes 18 for 42. Touchdown, no picks, nice, nice keeping possession of the ball there. But, you know, I don't, I'm not, I've got no confidence in, in Penn State at 10. Ole Miss at, at number 11, still can't beat and this year's Alabama, not like Tennessee could. I'm not saying that, but you still couldn't beat this year's Alabama at Alabama. You've got Oregon State at number 12, and I'm sorry, there's a lot for me to be, to, a lot left to be proven to me there. Uh, Utah, six and one. Very nicely done with the quarterback issues, the injuries that they've had there, sitting at number 13. And then you get into two lost teams before you go down to your next one lost team at Missouri at 16. Sorry, I don't think you're a national title con contender yet, Missouri. Uh, you know, beat Georgia, then we'll talk. That's that's going to be your next big test upcoming. North Carolina sitting at 17. I mean, you just lost to Virginia. Louisville, 18. Your loss was to Pitt at Pitt. Their second win on the year. I'm sorry. I'm not finding title contenders. I'm not finding reasons to expand the playoff. I think all of those involved should be really, really glad that it that it's not this year, that it is down the line another year. Um, and look, there are some really nice teams in that top. I, I'll say nine. I've already been to that to that spot with Oregon sitting at six and one. You've got Texas at six and one now. They're going to have some issues because they have this schedule that was that was really lightening up after the Red River rivalry. Uh, but yet again, you've got another season in which Quinn Ewers is going to miss some time. Uh, he's banged up with another shoulder injury, an AC joint sprain, I believe it is. I hate that for the kid. Really like the kid. You've got OU, the the lowest ranked Power Five undefeated team at seven and zero. You know who knows what they're really capable of. We've just not seen them do it on a really, really high level um, outside of the Texas win. And I do believe, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn more about them for sure. Uh, they did only manage to beat UCF by two at home, 31 to 29. Perhaps 
perhaps there's a little bit of that Washington after Oregon, Oklahoma after the Red River rivalry and the you know the the win that it was over Texas. Perhaps it's something like that. Washington sitting at number five. I mean, I'm gonna need some more confidence. Uh, I've I've had plenty in you, but now I'm gonna need some more after you have such a close game with one win Arizona State. Saying all these things because. I just don't know who's good. You know, I I didn't have national title hope in in North Carolina before they lose to Virginia. I didn't have it. Um, I don't really have it for many of those teams that I just mentioned. The top four, they look great. I would still say Georgia's the best team of them at, at this point between Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. I mean, a lot of people predicted that there could be two Big Ten teams getting in this year if Michigan and Ohio State play, you know, a couple close games or what have you. Uh, they're obviously going to take – a loss to one of them is going to take a loss to the other. The playoff race is going to be probably much like it is where there's maybe five, maybe six teams fighting for, you know, four spots with the top two or three looking pretty solid, looking pretty easy to, uh, to, to filter out. Um, Washington, you got to prove it to me. Oklahoma, I need more than just the win over Texas. All right. I think we know, Who's good? It's a short list. It's a very limited number of programs. I just want to close this puppy out, land a plane talking about some programs that are not good. Uh, it's going to be a hodgepodge here. Just some surprising results, some not so surprising. Uh, not so surprising. Utah, 34, USC, 32. Soft program. USC has probably have two to three time the number of star rankings on their program versus what Utah has. And Utah just continues to have their number. Uh, I saw many people saying Utah's tough because Kyle Whittingham is tough. USC is not tough. They are the opposite of tough. Uh, also, for anyone, I don't care who you are, saying that Caleb Williams should shut it down, that he's the best pro prospect coming out since sliced bread just stopped, just absolutely stopped. He had a piss-poor game at Notre Dame the week before, uh, the first of their back-to-back -back losses, uh, only manages 32 points against this Utah team. Um, and this Utah team has has found unbelievable ways to win despite their quarterback injuries and issues. Uh, Caleb Williams didn't throw an interception, uh, but again, you only manage 32 points leading this offense that is just stacked, especially at the, the wide receiver position. They've got running backs that they can use. They... I just don't know how better way to say it than they 100% are who we thought they were. They are soft. They are absolutely going nowhere. And and good luck to them on, you know, good luck to them keeping this thing at two losses, keeping it under three or four losses because they're going to play Cal at Cal, three and four Cal, that is. Then they're going to host undefeated Washington as of today. They're going to travel to Oregon. Oregon's going to have – the taste of blood is already in the air. I know Oregon won't be overlooking their opponents uh, before this game that is the second to last of the season. Um, and then USC will host UCLA, who is much, much better than many thought they, they probably would be with a bit of a quarterback rotation with a youngster, uh, you know, getting so, so much action in his freshman year. Uh, USC, they're certainly not playoff material. They, they obviously aren't now with two losses. If it wasn't clear before now, you know, it certainly is at this time. Uh, South Carolina doing more 2023 South Carolina things, not scoring a touchdown um, at Missouri. 
who is certainly an improved program, seven and one program through eight games. South Carolina two and five going to really, really struggle to find bowl eligibility. It looks like, um, again, they do not find the end zone. They managed three first half points. They, they kicked three field goals in the second half to lose 34 to 12 to Missouri. Looks like it's, it looks like to me, as of today, I don't think this is even a hot take. It is a little bit for Clemson, but I've already talked about them. Looks like to me there could be some new head coaches coming in the state of South Carolina uh, within the next, you know, couple of years. Uh, quickly want to talk about Mississippi State, Arkansas. This is just closing this puppy out. What a vintage game and a 7-3 result. Uh, hate this for the Arkansas program that they lose 7-3. Despite, you know, I'm a little bit happy for Coach Arnett and the program there, any wins that they can find. Arkansas moves on from Dan Enos. Probably have to when you score three points at home against Mississippi State. Um, they're not getting what they should be getting out of K.J. Jefferson. Obviously, they've had a very limited, very injured Rocket Sanders, but they're just not, they're just not getting results. Things are going to have to change. Uh, probably will be changing pretty soon in Fayetteville. Um, what a vintage result, though. Yeah, just wanted to briefly touch on some of those results uh, that, again, we didn't get to take in, didn't get to to watch as they unfolded. As I land this plane, though, thank you so much for tuning in, uh, for for comments, for hitting like, share, subscribe, for following us. Following us everywhere you get to do it. Uh, we absolutely love doing this podcast. Pandemonium reigns. Rain! Rain.